Blog Talk Radio. I've turned that down a little bit so that I can talk over it. However, it's a beautiful song called The Dawn, and I hate to do that. Today I gave myself the luxury of listening before we started. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. My name is Mara, and I am thankful that you are here now and always, those who listen today and those who listen in the future. Had a difficult time getting this thing going last week and the week before. For some reason, we were having a timing issue, but we've worked it out now. On a mountain, in a valley, I behold only God. In hardship, I see God by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melted amidst the sparks of the flame. I behold only God. That's a quote from Rabia, the mystic and Islamic uh, prophet, or perhaps not prophet, but an Islamic uh, teacher and person of wisdom. For us, there is so much to talk about right now. And today we're going to focus on how we talk. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. I recently read a I recently read an interpretation of that, and I'm kind of not one to read interpretations of what I'm supposed to think. I've been raised by hillbilly parents to be my own thinker, not rely on other people's opinions. But I did read this interpretation, and it was interesting because it was echoed. Uh, I got it because uh, a gentleman called in one day, and I invited him to co-host with me. His name was Greg. But he, he said that the word was Jesus. And I'm thinking, okay, so if we're saying Jesus is God, then why is there so much discord? Because many faiths believe that there is a power or something beyond us. And many call that power or being God. To me, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, is a reminder to me to be careful with my words, to be thoughtful with my words. I don't need Jesus to be more than God or even God. Because Jesus called God my father. 
which is not what one would usually call themselves. And in fact, he didn't want the notoriety of people worshiping him. He wanted them to worship God. So what does all that to do with where we are today? With what's going on around us? Are you being careful with your words? With how you express God within you? Both to yourself? In justifying your choices and decisions and to others? And how you treat them and what you say back to them? I think it was no accident that last week I could not get this radio program going. Despite all of my efforts, I, for some reason, could not sign in and stay in. But I believe today I will stay in. I won't be cut off. I don't think that any there's any conspiracy to cut me off. Don't get me wrong. I think for some reason we were having technical issues last week, and they became king of the moment but I don't think there are technical issues today. And I think I had a lot to learn this last week, a lot to learn about patience and how I react to things that are happening around me and how I express my emotions and in recognizing I'm only in charge of me. And more importantly, recognizing that everyone else around me has lived their life as they have lived their life. And that has helped affect and create their perceptions of things. A lot of people are afraid when other people don't exactly share their perceptions. In fact, if you would say to someone, well, I think you're afraid of this idea they would normally say, well, no, I'm not. And then they would explain why their reaction is exactly right. This last week, I learned that I don't have to be right as much as I have to be kind. As I face myself, I am learning to recognize who I am not. So when I come up against ideas and thoughts and behavior that do not reflect who I choose to be, even if it's only in that moment, then that's how I learn who I am. And I don't know, it's been so long since I came, I started this show, and many of you are probably new listeners, that I probably should tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm a bit of an oddity, I think, in that I reflect considered the Carnegie method of uh, growing up in the United States, which was that there was unlimited potential for anyone who was willing to work. I saw that reflected last night in the graduation ceremony for 2020 uh, seniors, the idea that if they worked hard, they could be whomever they want. And they can, but they're going to have ups and downs. We all do. Some people don't. I shouldn't say we all do. Some people have lives that are really privileged the way it is. So basically, my family, my parents came from West Virginia. When my father came back from World War II, there was 
or there were no jobs except in the mines. And he did not want to work in the mines. He wanted to work with his mind. So he married my mother at a very young age of 16, and he took her to Ohio. We sometimes hear about the diaspora where the Jews spread out of the Middle East and and up into Europe. This was probably a diaspora from West Virginia. There were no jobs. There still are really no meaningful jobs. And that explains some of the unrest. That's a long time. That was 1947. That was 72 years ago, 73 almost coming up on. So they went, they left, the majority, not all, but the majority of their brothers and a couple of the sisters. Most of the sisters stayed behind, which is what happened because they married men who had jobs. And if you've read about the struggle of of hillbillies coming out of West Virginia and Appalachia, it's true. It was tough. People made fun of them. People treated them like they were stupid. And because they did not make a lot of money, they worried for their children. And also, and not uncommon thing, I think, at least within my family, they considered their daughters their property. And you can do anything you want to your property. But despite anything that happened to me as a piece of property, I was given a gift from that family. And that gift is my father, the perpetrator, to read. And with that gift of reading... I went on to overcome those prejudices, those beliefs that everyone thought they knew about the hillbillies, because after all, why had they lived since the 1500s in poverty? To overcome the belief that people were stupid, that I was stupid, that as a woman I was stupid, that I could not accomplish anything. And so I grew up with a backbone of iron, not questioning the things that were happening to me because I thought those things were okay. But relishing the world in which I lived, my grandfather, who was a faith healer, who taught me at an early age, I was like 12. When I asked him, how do you heal people? He said, I don't heal people. I'm simply God's vessel. People heal themselves. He said, you know that story in the Bible where the woman touched Jesus' cloak and she was healed? He said, yeah, I remember that story. After all, I had read the whole Bible by the time I was like eight or something. He said, well, God healed her because she believed God would heal her. And that began for me a recognition that God was an active, daily, constant part of my life. 
it did not diminish Jesus. In fact, Jesus is not diminished in my mind at all. My faith in the messages from the pulpit is a little bit diminished. I will be honest with you about that. Because I would stand as the liturgist in my Methodist church, and I would sing in the choir, and I heard such judgment. Oh, I have someone here. Let me put see who it is. Hold on just a second. Hi, this is Marge. Who is this? Hi, this is Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Did you want to talk or listen? Well, I was just listening. Um, I think I tuned in at an appropriate time, so I'm glad I found your show this morning. Um, I can relate to what you're speaking about 100%. Thank you. Thank you. How it changes throughout life, you know, kind of reflect. Yes, thank you. When you get older. Yeah, so, so Carrie, I'm going to kind of leave you live here, and we'll periodically check back to see if there's anything you'd like to say. I'm so glad you've called in. Sure, absolutely. So very glad. So here we are going, and basically, by learning to read, I began to advance in school. I began to be learning to celebrate what I knew, but it created in me this break because there was like what I valued about myself was not who I was, but my abilities to be a good student. So education took on a a bigger and bigger and bigger influence in me. And when I got my doctorate, I was in the law, I was overwhelmed I was the first person in my family to get, get a doctorate. And yet, here I was, still a shy little hillbilly girl inside. I didn't suck my hair anymore, but I was shy. And I had grown up poor. And I learned as I moved through my career, because now I'm 71 and retired, I learned to, to train people. Uh, I represented employers, so that wasn't the popular position, but I realized that it, one time I represented some women, and all we did was we would get a little bit of money, and then their problems would start over again, and we'd get a little more money. And I decided I wanted to be the voice talking to the employers. And as I became that voice, I came to recognize that people have a lot of prejudices and they don't even know they have them. They don't recognize them. And so as a consequence, those prejudices move around in their mind all the time, influencing them. So they become afraid of things. There was a time when I was afraid to read a quote from Rabia the Mystic about God being all around me, despite what my grandfather taught me, that God was all around me. There was a time when I was afraid to walk away from that liturgy position because what would people think of me? How would their prejudices come into play? What would they value about me? 
how would they judge me? There was a time when I was afraid to go and sit with a rabbi and learn about the Jewish faith until I realized the Jewish faith was the same as the Christian faith. Only those who are Jewish and only those who are Christian are saved by God. And that is a fundamental truth I cannot believe. The God I know is far more, far grander than one messenger, than one faith. The God I know is a God of love. The God I know is a God of acceptance. The God I know knows that I'm not always going to make the right decisions, but loves me nonetheless. And this last week, I've had an opportunity to look at that. Because I, for some reason, have come up against all sorts of chances where I could choose who I was and who I was not. And some of those come from the social media, which is amazing what a powerful influence that is if you limit yourself to just looking at that. And that's not intended as a judgment. It's intended as a recognition of the power. And so today, I'd like us to think about Who are we? We are in a very difficult time right now. There is no doubt about it. What do we believe? That the COVID-19 virus is racing around the country and the world at a speed never before known for a germ? And that there's nothing we can do but throw ourselves as soldiers in front of it and allow ourselves to die? Do we believe instead that we should be cautious and this sounds a bit judging, respectful of each other's and stay inside? Who is it that we see ourselves as being? And I suggest to you that each one of us get to make that decision based on our life experiences. And no two of us have the same life experience. But the one thing that brings us the greatest discord that causes us to reach out and react in a negative way is judgment because someone thinks or believes differently than we do. Because they pray to a different name to God, not necessarily a different God, because they have different color skin and therefore they are creating a greater risk for us, because they haven't had the benefits of upward mobility. Our country was founded on a principle that many people don't know, and I only know this because I used to teach uh, in a junior college, and that is that the Protestant worth ethic Maybe I learned that when I was in college myself, which is this unbelief, this, this judgment that God loves people by giving them money. 
And if you don't have money, then you are not right in the eyes of God. Once again, that's a pretty damning belief because it certainly makes hell on earth for the vast majority of people who don't have money. There's been studies done that the average American cannot pull together $400 in cash if a crisis occurred. Against this backdrop, there are the words that were asked of Jesus, which are, what are the most important commandments? And he said, love God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. And love others as you love yourself. Or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, some people say, well, it says love your neighbors, which makes means that somehow there's some people you should love and some people you shouldn't. But Jesus was very specific in saying that's not the case. And that is the same for the Islamic faith. That is not the case. That is the same for the Jews. That is not the case. The word neighbor is a broader, more of a good Samaritan kind of way of loving. It's the people that you travel and live with. And we don't always plan on who we're going to travel and live with. Sometimes they are just there. When you're walking down the street in San Francisco, you don't plan on that person being in front of you who needs money. Or maybe you do. Some people have a planned response. I can remember when I visited Italy once and was outside this huge cathedral in Florence to meet to someone. The people I was with were going, no, 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 no. Don't give her money. She's a gypsy. She'll take to some man sitting off the side of the road in a Mercedes. But I was taught what I do with my money is between me and God. And what she does with her money is between her and God. And once I give that money, it is no longer mine. So do you give or do you not give? How would you want to be treated if you were forced to live on that street, on that corner? Do you judge that person or do you share? I think the idea of judge not lest ye be judged is exemplified in how we choose to react to the people around us who engage in behavior we don't understand or we would not in which we would not find ourselves or do not believe we would find ourselves. And I think for me the COVID-19 virus is giving us an opportunity to evaluate what we want the world to look like. Do we want to continue to have a judging world where we're evaluating where everyone fits on a continuum of worthiness 
believing that we know what God wants. Which, by the way, if we think we know what God wants, that means we think we're God. How grand is God in your mind? How big do you envision God being? I see God as big enough to bring up a little girl who grew up in abuse but learned to read, to go to college, to get a master's degree, to teach in a junior college, and to go to law school. That's a pretty big miracle in my life. So I believe God is a God of miracles. And in, within each one of us, there is a purpose or power to, rise, to raise up others, to decide who we want to be and begin doing what we believe needs to be done in order to open up a world of love. We each get to decide what we want the future to look like from now because it's pretty dismal right now. We're hearing so much hate propounded. What are those people afraid of? But if we respond back in hate, are we any different? Hate against hate does not make love. But I can tell you, we don't have to live our lives in fear. We don't have to live our lives in a world consumed by distrust. We don't have to be angry because others see the world differently than we do. I mean, of course they do. None of us have lived the same lives. That's just a given. We don't have to judge each other. In fact, we are warned against doing that in almost every religious text because in that is the creation of emotion that can consume you and block your heart and block your mind. They consume you with fear. What are you afraid of? So this week, I put something on Facebook that was political. I sometimes do put things on Facebook that's political, and I don't think it's any guess where my politics are. And so, because frankly, folks, you would be ashamed of me. You wouldn't want to even listen to me as a person if I didn't believe in loving other people the way I would like to be loved in light of where I came from. I would be ashamed of me, for sure. But anyway, I made this post. It was relatively innocuous, I thought. And the next thing I know, a dear friend wrote on it something that could have been provocative to me. And that was when I recognized the way here is not to respond in anger, but to respond in respect. 
respecting her fears, the world in which she lives, her perception of things, why would you not respect that someone's afraid? And in respecting her fears, I basically said, you know, I respect and love you, but I don't agree with what you're writing here. No, I miss you. And her response back to me was she missed me too. So we didn't have to fight. We didn't have to go to the death to be right. We didn't have to argue about whether rights are inalienable, which means there's no one who can stop them, or whether the federal government has a right to look out for the general welfare of all. We didn't have to come to who's right by allowing both to be right. I suggest that the more we show each other kindness in the face of adversity, the more we teach that that is possible. The Dalai Lama says if we were meant to kill each other off, we would have done it a long time ago. Something has stopped us. He also says be kind whenever possible, and it is always possible. So we can relax and treat others with respect and dignity because they are human beings. We all breathe. We all eat. We all look for solace. We can be kind. We can see more in others than they are showing us. There's a great Dean Kuhn's book, and I meant to look that book name up, about a the creation of a Messiah by man. And the Messiah that was created was a woman. And the book ends with everyone seeing in each other the light, that beautiful light that God put in us when we were born, before life's circumstances started dimming it. And in some instances, almost blowing it out, but not completely, it's there. A recognition that each of us is equal, that we are all, all equal, struggling to make it in the world. When kindness approaches a fearful person, it may be belittled as being weak. It takes such strength to approach such fear. And we can be love. There's a beautiful South Pacific song that says it takes a long time to teach someone to hate. To me, the operative word there is teach. It does. It takes a long time to build the kind of fear we are seeing. So solutions are not immediate. They're not going to be the second. They're not going to be the very moment that we come up with a vaccine or whatever else is needed to deal with this frightening pandemic. But they, there is something, and it's going to come from each of us. 
and the future that we want to see. Terry, I had a lot to say, and I'm sorry I've gone on and on. Would you like to add anything? No, that was beautiful. Actually brought tears at one point <laughs> from a personal perspective for oh. myself as well, just, just in general, and it definitely caused me to reflect just on what you were saying. Um, you know, going back to the Protestant, you know, dimension you made of the Protestant belief. Well, I immediately thought of Thomas Paine, you know, and his common sense and the age of reason, and it's sort of <laughs> duplicative. Yeah. I mean, history, history does have a way of repeating itself, and we are, you know, we're, we're destined to repeat those mistakes, if you will, unless we reflect on them. But many choose not to see that or, you know, go otherwise deeper in thought. Um, I was raised Catholic. I am an only child. I lost my father uh, a few years ago. I'm in my mid-30s, but, I mean, I, I – Fortunately, I put myself through college. I went to Providence College, and I studied theology there as part of the curriculum, and it get, definitely brought in my perspectives on different religions. I wanted to touch on that, too, um, especially now with what we're going through. Um, and I, have a, I did not go to law school. <laughs> I became a flight attendant, but you, you mentioning that. Oh, good job. <laughs> I've, always <Good> contemplated, job. <laughs> I've always contemplated trying, maybe going back and just finishing it, because especially now, you know, I mean, and I'm sort of at a transition in my own life. Um, I, I can touch on so many things you said, so I'm glad. I, I definitely know that I was meant to find your show today, but I've involved, you know, myself in a personal relationship where we have commingled money as far as property goes, and I do not agree with how he views the concept of monetary, you know, possessions or contributions, and especially when you're sharing it with someone. Um, so that's taught me a lot because it's hard to stay grounded and not become angered by another person's actions. So again, you've just touched on so many things that are personal to me right now. Um, and finally, I just wanted to add that it also it's reminiscent to me of Buddhism, like the Buddha, the Four Noble Truths, as far as how suffering goes. Um, you know, we are all conditioned to believe that we are competing against one another collectively, but we are yeah. actually and effectively all intertwined. And I don't think I think that's the major issue in, in life, um, you know, is that, especially in our country, which I, I'm proud to be an American, I'm, I'm grateful to have the democratic government, but it's very difficult with different opinions and then too many laws and restrictions and, and then the ability to have the freedom of speech is sort of all just, just creating chaos. So it's sort of you have to get back down to the basics of it and I really do find that in the Four Noble Truths. And again, I have to thank my, my studies at Providence College for that because it opened my eyes up to different religions having come from one source of faith. Yes, yes. You know what you said reminded me uh, a moment ago, reminded me about how we're all competing, reminded me of a lesson I learned in studying the Kabbalah. And we were invited to think of a time before there was any, anything, anything other than God. And I'm not going to pick a right word for that. We can say great spirit, the universe, whatever. It all works for me. It brings someone to peace. But during that time, it was so boring because there was nothing. There was no contrast. 
And it's interesting mm-hmm. that the Bible starts with light and dark, you know, and makes that initial contrast because there was no contrast. Mm-hmm. And so one day, God, one day God says to himself or herself, I want to experience something and decided the way to experience it was to break if you envision a vase, that's what they encouraged us to do. Envision God as a vase to break itself into billions of pieces and scatter all around the universe. Mm-hmm. And then God wanted to make, because we know God plays game, even if you read the book of Job, that's clearly a game. You know, mm-hmm. we God, God decided in order to add the highest level of experience, he would take away from the pieces the memory of who that piece was. Mm-hmm. And then the piece would become the journey to remember. Rebirth, yep. And then re, you know, reconnection with your original source. Yes. Yep. Yes recognizing where they came from. And that has many steps. And we're seeing that now because we see an awful lot of righteousness around us right now. But what's interesting to me is righteousness seems to forget that we are the sum total of the parts. We don't live in a bubble, you know, there, there isn't bubbles between states nor between countries. We all see, are in this together. And how we're responding sets direction for the future of humanity. Do we want it to be I, 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 me, me, me? Or what the deists who founded the United States wanted us? It's no mistake the United States abbreviates to U.S. Right. You know, what's good for all of us? And so for Absolutely. each of us, we get, a ch- we get a chance to decide what we want the future to look like and then to begin acting in that way now. For me, that's what this last week has taught me, beginning it to has. act. Yeah. It has. It has. And I think, you know, your show especially um, – Again, I can't thank you enough for, for you even holding the show and, and me finding it, but enough of a lot of what has been um, portrayed in mainstream media, whether you watch, you know, you seek out alternate news sources or you just watch, you know, the bare minimum or hear it through word of mouth on social media is a focus on the competitiveness, which is, yes, we, we have a democratic society and, you know, we need to bolster our economy, but at the same time, we are the United States, so when the states are in need, we should look to, we should be there for them first, regardless of any belief, you know, because without those states united, what kind of economy matters? That's at least how I feel about it, and it's sort of emboldened me to, you know, disregard, I mean, earlier this morning, there were trucks driving, I live in Rhode Island, down my street with, you know, flags on the back, and there was a caravan of them, um, and started out with the American flags, and then we went to the Confederate flags, and then we went to the Don't Tread on Me flags, and, you know, we have that ability to do that, and we had, like, the, you know, whoever they're going to vote for their presidential candidate, that flag as well, and that's their right to exercise, but are you understanding 
You know what I mean? For me, when I saw that yeah. goodbye, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that I, and make sure that you're understanding that without all of our cooperation together collectively as a country, we will divided we fall. That's also part of it. United we stand and divided we yeah. fall. So exactly. I think that's what it comes exactly. down to. Absolutely. And the 13 colonies, the story of the 13 colonies, that's the thing that saddens me, that there's such a lack of historical perspective amongst people. Uh, And we need to get that story out. So if you're going to write a post on Facebook post, write about the 13 colonies, why it is that we decided to become a United States. We did not start off as the United States. And there was a reason, and it's this dissension that we're seeing propagated right now that was the reason. It wasn't serving anyone. Mm -hmm. It was not serving. And it's what we want the future to look like that matters. And so we can pray or meditate or or simply, you know, create whatever method of joining with others that you know. And we've got about three minutes left. And Carrie, I'm so appreciative you called in, and I hope you come next Sunday too. Uh, Thank you. I'd love to. So what? Perfect. Uh, Let's all take our dominant hand, whatever hand that is, and reach out and take the hand of God as you understand God to be. And now, take your non-dominant hand and reach out and take a fellow listener's, the hand of a fellow listener's God, so that we'll create a circle here of human God, human God, human God. Some gods will be giant and fill the room, and some will be small. And let us begin to spread around this circle the light that is within each of us. Let us all send our light out from our hearts and let it brighten the room. See the energy of love that is possible because that light is God's love in you. Believe that God loves everyone equally and that you're enough know that you are valued know 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 you are enough feel the presence of God going around the circle Feel your shoulders begin to tingle with pressure. Feel the energy of love and send that energy out this week. Decide what you want the future to look like and capture in that this energy of love feeling now. See more in someone than they are showing you. Because everyone has 
bark. You may have to crawl over layers of You don't want to be near that person. But do it. Because we need to love our enemies in order for us to be right with ourselves. It's easy to love those we love, but it's hard to love those we disagree with. Be love, my friends, and ask yourselves, what would love do now? going to I'm just about running out of music here Carrie thank you for joining me thank you all for listening thank you I look forward to being with you all in spirit next week and throughout the week please know that my thoughts are with each of you as you are love you can be love namaste I salute your inner divinity And wish you a beautiful week.